0: Today on Slack, I'm seeing lots of things, including a, um, a potluck thread. So, since there is a potluck next week, definitely check in this potluck thread. Um, and it is uh, at, it starts at 11.38 a.m. So, you'll have to go to 11.38 a.m. You'll see it on the thread. Um, that could be done after service. Uh, and if you're really distracted, it could be done during service. But I hope that that's not the case because we're doing Romans today. We're continuing on in the book of Romans. And this has been crazy because you can't go through Romans in 15 weeks and do it justice. Um, It doesn't work because Romans is Paul's many years of ministry that he was like, I'm going to get as concise as I can. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it all into one letter and say, this is what I need to say. This is what I've been saying in Galatians. I've been hinting at this in, in, um, in other letters that I've written other churches. But Romans is now where we are We're seeing him put just everything together and be like, you need to think about this, and you need to think about this, and you need to think about this. So us trying to do it in 15 weeks in between Christmas and um, in between Christmas and Easter, is definitely a slog. So, morning Bible studies is vital. Vital. You're going to miss pieces because we're doing other parts of the chapters in our morning Bible studies. So, we're skipping through. We're taking small pieces of Scripture on the Sunday morning during the sermon, but then we're doing other parts of Scripture in the Bible study. So, you need to be doing both. Otherwise, you're just missing it and that doesn't work well. Um, And someone wrote that you can't do it in 15 weeks because there's 16 chapters. There's one too many, so you just can't do it. You're right. So today, I'm cheating. I'm going to do the end of Romans 4 and the beginning of Romans 5. There you go. The promise was given. The question is, did I believe it? I mean, I dared to believe this promise, but it seemed pretty surreal considering all that I'd been through in my life. Certainly, I thought it wasn't going to happen the way that it was laid out, the way it was promised, because the promise was too good to be true. I wanted to believe, but I just couldn't see it. One day, as I lay in bed, I finally saw it. I knew in my mind that it could happen. Not only could it happen, but I actually was able to see how it could happen. I saw it was, a, it was possible. In fact, it, it now wasn't just possible. It, it actually became likely. It was going to happen. I know that moment, nothing was going to stand in the way of it. My life completely reoriented around the reality that this promise was going to happen. My plans started changing as though that single thing was just a matter of time. That's my experience for quitting my job to plant a church. At the beginning, I had no idea. This was, not like, this was not something that was really plausible. What do you mean, quit your job? When I come from a history where my father used to quit his job to go do ministry and drive us deep into poverty. Just so that he could get another job because his ministry options didn't work. What do you mean, quit my job? and go do a master's degree when i haven't actually successfully finished a single diploma or degree since high school but i didn't even finish elementary school i didn't get my bachelor's degree what do you mean quit my job and plant a church when i've never been a lead pastor before i have no idea what that what, this can't really happen until one night it happened and I knew that it was going to happen. Absolute faith. How would you describe the certainty of your faith? There's your first Slack question for you today. Just Let's, let's dive in on Slack. Let's be involved. How would you describe the certainty of, or uncertainty of your faith? What, what, do you, what do you see happening with your own faith? Because what I just described was, was a faith event. It was a moment where God put a promise in my life that I couldn't see, and and a faith event happened, and it changed. It reoriented my entire direction. A faith event changed what I was doing. I was pastoring. I was comfortable. I was pretty darn good at being a youth pastor and an associate pastor. And, and, and I had to leave that job and the security of that job and the comfort of that job reoriented my faith. While you're thinking about how you would describe the certainty of your faith and answering in Slack, I'm going to read the Scripture. Romans 4.20-5.2 No unbelief made him, Abraham, waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith, and he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead who raised from the dead, Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have obtained access by faith in this grace which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. God has a promise for us today, and it's larger than you've ever anticipated or even imagined. The life with Jesus, the promised land, I don't think we think about this enough. The promise that we have, the life with Jesus that has been promised to us is yes now, but it is also not yet. It's a place that is coming, a promised land, an ideal that that we live together in unity The Bible continually says again and again, and I will be their God and they will be my people and I will live with them. There is a unity. The the Old Testament word for it, and I bring it up again and again and again, is shalom, the rest of God, where there is no more tension between God and man. There is a great promise that we have that no eye has truly seen The world where all things are made right, where there's no scarcity, there is no more fear, there is no more selfish pride, no more evil, and no more sickness, and thank God, no more death. How would you describe the certainty of your faith? Someone said the transition to ministry was similar for us. It was a move from progressive, good-paying job to Financial un- uncertainty. One way to define faith is Boolean. You could put yourself in a situation where you're depending on his provision, or you don't. The definition of Boolean, pertaining to or being deductive <laughs> logical system, Boolean algebra. Thank you for that. You can check that out in the thread. <laughs> The certainty of my faith is found in my unseen relationship with God. It's marked by, someone else says, it's marked by my reliance and my trust and love with Jesus. I know that I know because in the end it is up to him and not me. Finally, someone says, faith is to believe what we have good reason to think is true. See, Abraham's mindset in our text today. No unbelief made Abraham waver. His mindset was so convinced that God had promised him a son that nothing could sway him. Nothing could make him waver. And we're going to look at that for a minute because this is this is vital for us to understand faith. What what specifically or what specifically changes in your life as you continue to put your faith in Jesus. So think about that. As you put faith, well, we think about nothing could convince him of otherwise. What would change in your life as you continually put faith in Jesus as the Lord of the world who will make a difference, who will make all things right? What changes, what reorients in your life? What reorients in your life? In in Paul, Roman makes it, in, in Romans, Paul makes it clear that the faith of Abraham was credited to Abraham as righteousness. And as I said a couple times, no unbelief made Abraham waver, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced. There's something there. This fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. And that's why his faith was Counted to him as righteousness. Let's think about this. Abraham is promised a son. And even when there are no signs that what he was doing was making a difference, he would be promised a son. He did everything he could do to have a son. And, and think about the depth of that reality. He did everything he could do to have a son. We know this is true because he went so far as to having a son with Hagar. So guys, he was trying hard. There was lots of practice going on, but there was nothing he could do to make God's promise happen, even in that utter personal failure. Think about that. God, God's promised you something, and you think, I have to achieve it. I have to get to it. I have to grasp at it. I've got to make it happen. Even in Abraham's personal, complete failure to make it happen, he was fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. He knew that it wasn't his body that wasn't working. There was nothing he could do And his faith didn't waver. And here's where we find Abraham fully convinced. So Abraham put the onus on God's action. And made all of his actions adjust to God's action. Putting faith in Christ allows me to have peace with the things in the world I can't change. And hope in what God is doing. Thank you for that. Last week, we spoke about the lordship of Jesus. Jesus' authority changes our life. When we put faith that we believe with all certainty that Jesus is indeed Lord of this world, it changes the way you live. It changes your life. For Abraham, God's promise was totally out of Abraham's hands. And when he said, fine... I'm still going to trust you. I'm still going to believe that you can do this. That's credited him as righteousness. Faith in Jesus, according to Paul, is not simple assent. It's not like, oh yeah, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Faith in Jesus is about putting your entire trust in the promise of God and then reorienting your life around it. It's not about moralism. We talked about that last week. It's not about trying to impress God. It's about saying, God, you are God over every other God that I might put up. I will worship you first. Jesus is Lord. You are the Lord of this world. Therefore, you have the authority to command what you will. Jesus is. Is Lord faith in Jesus is about putting your entire trust in the promise of God and then reorienting our life around it? I think as Christians, sometimes we, we give ourselves an easy out. We give ourselves an easy out with, oh yeah, I believe I got my I got my Jesus compartment here, and then I've got my laundry compartment here. They're separated out for us. So faith is a conviction that is lived out. So what specifically changes in your life as you continue to put faith in Jesus? The ability to rejoice, someone wrote, I can rejoice in the Lord always, even when I am going through hard times, just like it's written in Philippians 4.4. 4. Because he helped through a hundred calamities, the crises we are confident, he will help us through the current trauma and bring, us, bring it to good in the end. So what, what changes in my life? What has to reorient? Because people... God wants to reorient things in your life. God himself wants to reorient things in your life. As a follower of Jesus, he is always reorienting and shifting and changing and saying, this is the way, walk therefore in it. Do this. He is reorienting our life. So, Abraham's fully convinced that God would make him a father at the age of 100. What are you certain that God will do? What are you certain that God will do? Someone says one of the changes is I'm becoming more compassionate. Someone says the relationships I have are going to change. Someone, someone asked, do you think if I put Je- my Jesus compartment and my laundry compartment together that my laundry would get done? Maybe, maybe you could put your, your laundry department and your prayer de- compartment together and actually get the laundry done. That would be awesome. <laughs> this is a spousal thing. the laundry is done Um, my reliance on myself I'm still working on it or rather God is working on it but recently many things have been out of our control so I have to rely on him I'm becoming more joyful since Jesus took away the fear of the future do you think that my life is not being reoriented perhaps there is something wrong in my relationship with Christ (laughs) that's a really good question let me actually pause on that one for a second When I spend time praying, my prayer life is this, oftentimes. God, I know that in the macro, in the big ways, I'm serving you. But search my heart, God. Are there things in the micro little things that I'm not submitting to you. I have been in my prayer times, and God has said, no, you're good. Just continue on. And my orientation continues to be set. Yes, I am focused on Christ. But I have spent times where God has said, I'm going to just be super vulnerable and honest right now. Most recently, God has said, you work too intensely so that your rest time, Val knows that this is true this week and last week, you work too intensely so that your rest time becomes too unproductive. Slow down a little bit here and raise up a little bit here so there's not just a drastic jump off the edge. And where that expressed in my life my rest time being too undisciplined was in my gravitation in rest time towards ridiculously gross junk food. And I was like, why am I going to this junk food? I've never been a junk food person. And as I reoriented, it was like you just worked your butt off and your body's looking for an escape, a way out. Oh, interesting. Slow it down a little bit. Allow Different things to happen, and now I'm able to live inside of a better bandwidth instead of hard work, nothing. Hard work, nothing. Right? And I was like, what an interesting reorientation. That was bonus, but what a great question from Slack. Not gonna get distracted with the fact that someone just said maybe my laundry compartment and my husband are compartment can be put together. So what are you certain of? Let's look at working out our faith. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but also for ours. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have, obtained, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace which we stand, which we rejoice in the hope of the glory. Someone says, I'm certain that Jesus will make my life live forever. I'm certain. Now I'm getting older and my faith has spent more time in God's word. I'm growing super. I'm growing stronger in my faith. Someone says, is this why pregnant women indulge in junk food so much. I'm not touching that. <laughs> now, we're going to bring clarity from this text to a promise of salvation. A little bit of soteriology here. This is how it works. We respond to God's invitation and his promise. We put life reorienting faith in the reality of the fact that Jesus is Lord of this whole world. And God, when we do that, God counts that to us as righteousness. We put our faith in Jesus as Lord, and God counts that as righteousness. Literally translated, we are put into right standing with God— God has removed the complaint against us. It's carte blanche acceptance of us into God's kingdom. It's total forgiveness of our participation with what? With the gods of this age. When I say Jesus is Lord, I am actually stepping into a new governing authority. I am now not governed by the gods of this age anymore. I am now governed by the lordship of Jesus. And when I change that acknowledgement of governance, everything I did over here while I was being governed by the ways of the world is forgiven me. And now all my orientation is around the lordship of Jesus. There's full forgiveness but it's based on the acceptance of the clause, Jesus is Lord. And the word Lord has authority. So, why am I forgiven? It, it, did believing make me a better person than those who do not believe? Nope. Nope. Righteousness is granted because we put faith in the authority of Jesus over and against our own authority. We live and submit our life to Jesus as the Lord, and the logical conclusion, that's the logical conclusion of, I am fully convinced that Jesus is Lord. I am fully convinced, like Abraham was fully convinced that he was going to have a son because of the work of God. I am fully convinced that Jesus is actually Lord of this world, and we know it because of his death and resurrection. We know that he being given authority over death because of his resurrection. And so now I say, I am fully convinced that he is Lord. Then Jesus grants us right standing with him. Not because of what we accomplished, but because we put our full life reorienting faith in him for who he is. And now we honor his authority. That's what's going on here. It's an honoring of the authority of Jesus in our life. This isn't about this heavy handed, you know, the somebody at church is gonna tell me I have to be moral. No. This is about who's gonna bring order to this chaos in this world? Because it isn't the governments, and it isn't your money, and it isn't anything else you do that's gonna bring order to the chaos in this world. It's going to be Jesus as Lord. So maybe because Christianity was preached as a way to get to heaven, or maybe because the hardness of our own hearts, but Christianity has a problem today deep inside of its ranks. There's a ton of of Christians today who will not stand down from their own authority. They pay lip service to a pretend or an absentee Lord. They do what they want and they hope that he won't notice. An intellectual belief, but not an actual faith that Jesus is actually Lord. And guess what? The Bible is clear that even the demons have an intellectual belief that Jesus is Lord, but they will not submit to his authority. Sometimes we as Christians still want to call the shots, make the big choices, hold on to the small choices, rely on our own intuition and information. We want to believe that Jesus will save them from future torment, but they absolutely do not want to save Jesus in the good that he's calling to do now. And Jesus won't force you. He will never force you. The question is, will you put your faith in Jesus? What are you certain of? Resilient faith bridges the gap between now and not yet. Absolutely. It will be counted to us as righteousness. Well, when we put our life-reorienting trust in Jesus who has authority as the one who we serve. Abraham's literal life direction changed. He lived in a a place called Haran to the north of the promised land. And his life direction changed when he was called to move south into the promised land. His life direction literally changed. We must never reduce faith into intellectual assent to an idea. Since you've been justified by this life-reorienting faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You are now set apart because of your deep-seated conviction that Jesus is Lord. That the promise of the actualized Lordship will be fully realized one day. And on that day, get this. This is huge. See, we as Christians who put our life-reorienting faith in Jesus sometimes look a little crazy. Exactly. We sometimes look a little crazy, but you will be vindicated on the day when Jesus returns. On that day, your your vindication is fully realized. That that which you are fully certain of is fully realized. And before that day, your conviction that Jesus is Lord will be scoffed. It'll be ridiculed, and it'll be challenged. And that is happening even today. So what are you certain of? Are you fully convinced of Jesus being your Lord? We anticipate, we live in anticipation of Jesus' return. We, also, we have also obtained access by faith in, to this grace which we stand. The grace was that you were under this other Lord And simply by acknowledging Jesus as Lord, the grace is that Jesus said, thank you, you could become part of my kingdom. He didn't have to say you could be part of my kingdom. He wasn't compelled or forced by some mystical magic. He chose you could be part of my kingdom. And that's the grace we experience. And so... We look forward to the hope of our Lord's return, the glory of God filling the entire earth. We look forward to the changes that will bring to our world, and experiences, and our struggles. The hope of the glory of God is freedom from the sins that so easily ensnare us. It means the scarcity that we face in today's economic climate will be resolved. It means injustices against racial minorities will be erased and no longer perpetuated. It means systems that keep generation after generation poor will be removed. It means that truth will be fully self-evident, which is not the case right now if you look at the internet. God has more grace than we are capable of imagining. I'm certain in spite of the brokenness in our world today that in the end, God wins. My faith is not simply what I believe in my brain, but it is the foundation of the action that I live in my life. For the The Christian is the deep-seated conviction of the victory of God. Are you convinced, even though it seems unlikely, that Jesus will return victorious? Are you convinced that Jesus is Lord of this world and will restore it to its proper state? Are you convinced that God accepts you and shows it through Jesus' death and resurrection? This conviction is the faith that transforms our life, motivates our action. We will be consumed with the idea that God is gonna fix what's wrong with this world. We will marvel at God's gracious action. We will embrace Jesus, the soon coming King, and we will encourage each other to imagine how we might live in eternity trying it out right now. And that is the call that we're called to. Congregation, we you stand as we pray? I don't normally do body actions, but I'm going to ask that you put your, your hands out in front of you. As an open-handed expression... Of your willingness to accept a Lord that is not you. Jesus, even as a mature Christian, I once again say, Jesus, be Lord of my life in every area. God, if there are people in this room that that they are realizing now that their choice is whether they are going to be Lord of their life or you are going to be Lord of their life, I pray that you would fully convince them of your eternal lordship that is not negotiable. That is something that is a reality. And Jesus, I pray that they would choose to fall under it. Holy Spirit, I pray that we would choose as a congregation to be under your lordship, not under control of an organization, not under control of, of, you know, peer influence or all this other stuff, but genuinely fully convinced of your Lordship. Holy Spirit, come alive in us. Reorient our lives in any way you see fit to be about your kingdom and your work and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. May God bless you this week. We look forward to talking to you in the week, on Slack, in person. If you want to have a conversation, you can simply contact anybody and get involved. God bless.